0: On this episode, I will be sharing my thoughts and takeaways from this past weekend of NFL football and college football as well as I share my thoughts from some of the biggest games, biggest plays, you name it. And I have quite a bit of thoughts. Plus, I will share my implications on a possible playoff scenario for the MLB as the playoffs are fast approaching. You'll find that plus a little bit more on this episode of the Get Soaked Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to this edition of the Get Soaked Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Sokol. And it is a glorious Tuesday for recapping sports in my mind and tuesday is a good day it's been a good day so far i hope everyone's doing well i hope everyone who happens to stumble upon this podcast can say you know what let's see what austin has to say today and i'm not saying that out of spite for myself which i hope you do stay and i want to kick things off with my alma mater grand valley state and i've I've tried to put them in the spotlight more than other Division II schools. Well, frankly, because they're my alma mater. But I wanted to put them on the map more because I believe they deserve more recognition. More recognition than probably Ferris State, who won the Division II National Playoff Championships last year. After routing Grand Valley State in the playoffs, which I really do not want to relive again. It was not pleasant to watch. But I want to tell you about them just for a second they now moved up to number two in division two polls which is arguably pretty dang good you can you can argue with people all day long saying oh division two doesn't really matter it does for division two i will say that division one not so much they have their own thing it's more nationally recognized more nationally viewed by many americans but grand valley state is a very good program. Yes, it's only week two of the season. Yes, it is very early, but they beat a very good Colorado School of Mines team at home and a last-second Hail Mary that they prevented, mind you, which was nerving, to say the least. Then they go to Colorado to play Colorado State Pueblo. And they beat them 35-10. And they were ranked 21 in the country. So two top 25 programs right there. And Grand Valley is now number two because of it. They were number five initially. Then they moved up to four. Now they're at number two. I cannot tell you who number three and four was before they moved up. I can't tell you who's number one. And that is Ferris State University. Our main rival in the Goliath Conference. Our main rival... Period. And with Fair State, they have a very solid football program. They have proved to be a national contender year in and year out. And am I surprised by that? No. They've proven to do that since six years ago. My freshman year, almost. Well, I feel old already. Uh, When. Grand Valley State has not been able to play. Well, they have played them, mind you. They have not been able to beat them. Kind of similar to the dilemma Michigan was in before they beat Ohio State last season, 42-28. 41-28, excuse me. And that one was a phenomenal game. I really thought last year was going to be it. I was wrong. I was proven wrong time and time again. But this year... This year, the Anchorbone Classic, which is what their rivalry is called, arguably the greatest Division Two rivalry that Division One fans have never heard of. It will be in Big Rapids, Michigan, this year, about 50 minutes north to where I am now. And I might go, root on my alma mater, as a proud alumni will. And I want to see a top two matchup when that happens. That will be the game of the week in my mind. It won't be a Division I game. It won't be Michigan versus Michigan State, which, you know, it may be. But Grand Valley versus Ferris State, a top two matchup in Big Rapids, in Ferris State territory, that will be the game of the week. And I am calling it right now. But will college game day go? Not even close. It's not going to happen if they do i will be mind blown now it's division 2 who cares well i do and that's why i'm talking about it and i just want to tell you the listener that i really do enjoy talking about grand valley i hope they get the recognition they deserve now i have said on this on this podcast oh they have had rumors that they may go Division One, and they won't be as good. No, they won't be, but they will still be pretty good. Now, of course, they won't be teams like Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, not like that. They are they are in that league, just in Division Two. They are on par with Ferris State, Northwest Missouri State, Valdosta State, and Texas Christian. Those are just some of the teams that I thought I'd share. And why do I bring up Grand Valley again? Because they deserve the recognition. As a proud alumni, they deserve the recognition, and I want them to go undefeated this season. Will they? It's kind of hard to tell, but I believe they will. Coach Mitchell, who I had on earlier this year, he is a very good head coach, and I am genuinely surprised that he's not been offered a Division One contract. Because he is he is a very, very good head coach. Taking Grand Valley back to the playoffs every single year. Ever since he's got here. And hopefully, I can have the opportunity to sit down with him again, maybe at the end of the season, and talk about what his experience was. What he did well, what they improved on, what they needed to work on. So again, that's what I want to say about Grand Valley. And now I will transfer it over to college football in just a second now that i have your undivided division one attention i want to talk about one game in particular and that is the alabama texas game and these are my takes and takeaways or my thoughts on of course this past weekend of college football and it was it was exciting to watch. It was truly truly what. It was it was phenomenal. I thoroughly enjoyed this game. And this game was Alabama Texas, where Alabama only won by one point in Austin, Texas. Now, was it a gritty win? Sure. Was it anything short of spectacular? No. It was not. It was not spectacular whatsoever. And I want to say Alabama dropped to number two. And so Alabama wins 2019. Bryce Young goes off as he usually does. He carries this team to a win. Now there was some controversy with this. If you didn't watch the game, uh, this is where you'll find it. So there, if you did, you know what I'm talking about. There was controversy with this game where Texas had Alabama pinned at their own one-yard line and Texas defense was brutal against Alabama all day all day long and Alabama was struggling against this Texas defense they were absolutely struggling it was it was amazing to see from a non-Texas fan because i i i think i can speak for a lot of people that Alabama is just tiring to watch they they're they're good don't get me wrong i'm not saying they're terrible They are just tiring to watch. It's time for someone else to take the reins. And I think Georgia's it. And then after a couple years, maybe after a couple weeks, it's going to be, oh, please, someone someone else take the reins. We are tired of SEC football just being so dominant. Well, it's not all of the conference of SEC. It's really just Alabama, Georgia, maybe Auburn and LSU in the mix, and Texas A&M. Or so I thought, and I'll get to Texas A and M here in a second. But with Alabama, Texas, there was this controversy I'm talking about. Is it is when Alabama was pinned on their one yard line, defense was they were the Alabama offensive line was struggling to contain them. That's how brutal this Texas defense was. They were they were brutal, and two of Texas defense uh, defensive linemen got into the end zone, dragged down Bryce Young, and it looked to be a safety until the referee watching right there, excuse me, at the very end of the end zone, throws a flag. Calls it personal foul, roughing the passer, and a potential targeting call. It was the worst call I've ever seen. And if you look at the replay, you can find this. On YouTube, on ESPN, you can find this. I could you you could make the argument for roughing the passer. You could, but it was very far fetched, and and with targeting, non-existent. He was in the ground. Well, I mean, you could make the argument, but it'd be far fetched as well. Where he was getting tackled and. A, def- a Texas defender kind of came at him late. You could make the argument, but it was a terrible call. It was a 15 yard penalty, and it sets up Alabama farther away from the end zone to where Texas had him. And the crowd was booing the referees. And they reviewed it, and the main official said that there was no penalty for roughing the passer or targeting. And it was interpreted to him wrong. It was the referee who pulled the flag. Told him wrong what it was. And the analysts of the game, Gus Johnson and Joel Platt, mm. Joel Klatt, excuse me, uh, they were going off on the referees. They are like, this is a terrible call. There was not roughing the passer or targeting whatsoever. And I agree with them. There was not anything to suggest that there was targeting or roughing the passer. He st- Bryce Young still had the football in his possession. And then they said he was down on contact in the end zone. And actually, no, I take that back. He was. It was an incomplete pass. Which it was, it was kind of hard to tell that if he was down and the ball was still in his hand or not. Which it, I guess they saw something where it, they said that the ball was out of his hands, incomplete pass, fourth down. And that should have been a safety for Texas. And it was not. So then... Alabama goes on, marches down the field. After kicking a punt and then Texas recovers, couldn't do anything with it. They march back down, field goal to win the game later on. And Quinn Ewers, the freshman quarterback from Ohio State, he was a transfer from Ohio State, he was playing out of his mind before he got injured, and that was in the first quarter. So if he had not gotten injured, Texas would have won the game. And I got to say, it was terrible officiating, terrible, just with capital T, terrible officiating, terrible calling. And then sportsmanship was terrible from Alabama. They squeaked away a one-point win, and they decided to go horns down, which is a penalty in the Big 12. It is a penalty to do horns down. And Nick Saban, let me tell you, he was pissed. He was livid. He was... Oh, it was, he was red faced. And at the end of the game, he was saying, don't do that S. I'm not going to say, cause I don't have profanity on this podcast. Don't do this spit is what he said. And I don't, I don't blame him. He, I'm sure he let his players have it. So you don't do that. That is a penalty. And I really wish they, Called that a penalty at the very end of the game. They should have. They really should have, but it was the end of the game, so they. I guess they couldn't. So that that is all I'm going to say on the Alabama-Texas game. And then there are three other games I'd like to bring up a little more briefly this time. First one is Appalachian State-Texas A&M. This game was mind-blowing. Now, Texas A&M at the beginning of this game was ranked number six, reasonably so. They did not play that well against their previous opponent, but they still won. And I will say they were expected to beat Appalachian State. They they should have beaten Appalachian State, but Appalachian State upset them at home. This was the second time in 10 years where Appalachian State beat a top 10 team. The first one being Michigan. I don't want to go and to that again, because that was traumatizing for Michigan fans. That should have never happened, but it did. We can't change the past. We cannot go back to 2007 and change the past. So Appalachian State wins 17-14, and Texas A&M just did not look good. The only really good team that looked good in the SEC was Georgia, and they just dominated whoever they played. Of course, they they played well, and then Kentucky. Played well against Florida. They ended up being Kentucky in Gainesville, Florida. But this is going back to Texas A&M. They did not look good. They did not look like a a championship contender. They may be a New Year's 6 bowl game, but they did not look like a championship contender. Not even an SEC championship. Now, I could make the argument that they could play in in the Orange Bowl against Utah later this year if Utah ends up, ends up winning the, the Pac-12. I could make that argument. I think that would be a great matchup. But against Appalachian State, they just did not look good at all. And it was terrible. Play making, play calling, you name it. It was not good. Their defense wasn't good either their offense couldn't do anything and the same thing goes for notre dame and they're the next team on my list they lost to marshall at home they lost to marshall at home notre dame and this is the first time a head coach has ever gone 0 and three in his first year tenure and that's marcus freeman he lost his last bowl game he lost these last two games And then the third team I have on this list is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I don't know how they lost. They lost to a surprisingly good team. Surprisingly is the key word here. Now, Wisconsin, they were the presumptive Big Ten West champions. I don't think that's the case anymore. I really don't think that's the case now they lost to Washington State at home. Same score as Texas AM, 17 14. And Washington State looked like a good team. They they looked they looked drastically better than Wisconsin. They came into Camp Randall Stadium and they just played better. And that's what I can say about all three of these teams. They played better. They looked they looked like Power 5 teams. Well, Washington State is one. But the Sunbelt teams, they definitely played well. Appalachian State being one of them. And I was so surprised that this was the case. And it was upset city in college football, which almost never happens. It is still exciting to see, but it never happens. So that's kind of my, some of my takeaways. Michigan looked good. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is going to be QB1 from here on out. No surprise there. But I don't understand all the hate Cade McNamara is getting. He's a good quarterback. He led us to a Big Ten championship. But he, I will say this. He did not look as good as everyone thought he would this year against Colorado State. He did make some mistakes, and that was that was kind of the nail in the coffin for him. And the, the fans kind of agree that he did not look good he looked good but he did not look as good as he could have been and JJ was almost near perfect against Hawaii he was almost I believe I think it was 19 for 20 on passing or 18 for 19 it was it was it was something like that and he was near perfect every pass was right where he needed it to go every every touchdown it was good and I understand it was Hawaii. They're probably a bottom 5 team. But they they played well. Michigan played well. It was a 56 to 10 win. And I'm excited to see where JJ McCarthy can lead this team. He is now in the conversation for a potential Heisman because of that victory, because of how well he played. Now, is he going to be a front runner? I I think it's possible, but I need more to see. I I need to see more. And Michigan State won, Ohio State won, USC beat Stanford in a classic Pac-12 game. And I will say I'm excited to see what comes in week three. And we're just going to have to wait a few more days, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple more days. Now that I've given my thoughts mostly on Alabama-Texas, about the college football realm in Week 2. I will now share my thoughts about the NFL. And I put on Twitter earlier today, really this morning, like at 5 in the morning, uh, some key takeaways that I had about the NFL. And this is what I said. I said, big takeaways from this weekend. And some of these are a little overdramatic some of these are i think realistic and these are just my thoughts take them as you will you some people may not agree with me but here they are and i said bills are super bowl contenders after their beatdown, their fourth quarter beatdown of the los angeles rams and i say and i also said the afc championship will come down between the kansas city chiefs and the buffalo bills I think that's going to be a repeat, but the Bills are probably going to win it. Then I also said Philadelphia is taking the NFC East, mainly because Dallas lost Dak Prescott, and Philadelphia looked good. They looked good against Detroit. And Detroit had a great comeback mounting, and I'll get to that in a minute. And I will say, speaking about the Lions, they look improved, but they need work. They, they do. There's a lot of work to be done. And are they gonna be Super Bowl contenders (laughs) by no, not at all. And I also went on to say the Vikings are gonna take the NFC North. They dismantled the Packers so horribly that Aaron Rodgers was not able to get anything done with his wide receivers. And granted, they're rookie wide receivers. He's missing Devontae Adams right now. And it shows. It really shows. Their defense is good, don't get me wrong. But again, this is only week one, so take this with as much salt as you really want. And last but not least, I said that the Baltimore Ravens are taking the AFC North. Over Pittsburgh, over Cincinnati, over Cleveland. And I don't think that's an over-exaggeration. over I think Baltimore Ravens are taking the AFC North. Now, I will go on to say that the Chiefs are winning the AFC West, And I also could have said, but I didn't, that Seattle could run the table in the NFC West. They could run the table after beating the Broncos 17-16 and being the only NFC West team to win. But I did not say that. And I understand that it is week one. And these are just some of the takeaways that I thought for the future. And these could change at any moment. But there is one thing I am certain about. I'm certain that the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders. I feel very, very good about that because Josh Allen threw it for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, and was almost lights out against Denver. Or Excuse me, Los Angeles. Buffalo's defense stifled the Los Angeles offense. And granted, Matt Stafford did not look that impressive either. Uh, They didn't contain Cooper Cup as much as they wanted to, but offensively, the Bills got it done. Jalen Ramsey talked too much trash talk about Josh Allen. He said he's a trash player, trash pick, and it came back to bite him terribly. And Mike, if you're ever listening to this, I'm sorry I beat you that bad in fantasy. It was 160-something to 97, and I did... I do have Josh Allen, Cooper Cup, and the Buffalo Bills. They, all three of those combined, gave me 70 points in in fantasy football. So Mike, my buddy, if you're listening to this, no hard feelings. And going back to the NFL for a second. So Philadelphia wins 38-35 in Detroit. And it was going into the fourth quarter, Detroit had the reins. They had the Eagles by the throat, basically. They were marching down the field. Their defense was coming up big. But for the majority of the game, Philadelphia owned the clock. They truly did, except for the opening drive. And the opening drive was a phenomenal opening drive by the Lions. Early score, early lead, and then it just kind of falls apart. DeAndre Swift, though, he looked good. He looked healthy. He looked fast. He looked elusive. He, he looked good. He's the future of our offense. He is kind of the core of our offense alongside Amon Ross St. Brown, who also looked pretty good. He had two touchdowns. Same thing with TJ Hawkinson. And DJ Chark, I think he's going to be a very good addition. Same thing with Josh Reynolds. So the young core that Detroit has, running back, wide receivers, tight end, I'm excited for. They can do a lot of damage against some good teams. And they just got to practice more. They got to not drop so many darn catches or passes rather they dropped so many it was not fun to watch but towards the end of the game they're they're entertaining to watch and they looked improved against a very good Philadelphia team yes they do need work it's not it's not like they're perfect nobody's perfect and I will say this to kind of end my rant on the Detroit Lions Dan Campbell knows what he's doing is it going to take time for him to implement his plan long term? Absolutely. So I'm excited to see what he can do down the road. And one one other game I wanted to talk about was the Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh Cincinnati game. This game was wild. It was it was wild. It was everything you really did not want it to be, to say the least. And same thing with Houston Indianapolis. That ain't, That game ended up in a tie, 2020, where each team missed field goals they could not convert to save their lives. So Texans, Colts, what are you guys doing? That's all I have to say about that. But going back to Pittsburgh-Cincinnati, where to begin? Two missed field goal attempts. Or three, rather. One was blocked. Two were missed. One hit the... The upright on the goalpost. <sighs> I I don't even know what to say. Joe Burrow needs more protection. He did not look comfortable in the pocket all day. All day. He looked uncomfortable in the pocket, just could not get that much done. He did have Jamar Chase to rely on, which was fine. But 23 to 20 is what Pittsburgh ended up winning against Cincinnati. But my, 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 my. It was. Whew, it was not. It was entertaining, but it was, yikes! It was something else. Let me tell you. Then that leads me to the Seattle Denver game. So, I I believe I've said this before, but I acquired a Russell Wilson jersey before he got traded, and this was about a month before he got traded. Then I hear the news he's going to Denver, and I'm looking at my jersey. I was like, why did I even get you? Why well, should have just waited until he went to Denver. But it came in handy because Seattle won 17-16. Gino Smith, I think, looked better than Russell Wilson. He looked like a vintage uh, copy of Russell Wilson. He went 28 for 30, I believe, uh, a couple hundred yards, a few touchdowns. And Geno Smith looked good. He looked like he belonged in Seattle. He finally found his spot. And all it took was really Russell Wilson getting sick and tired of the management to go and leave. Which I I love Russell Wilson. He's a good quarterback. Brought a Super Bowl to Seattle. Went to another one. But I will say that Nathaniel Hackett as head coach for Denver. Yeah. I mean, it was only game one, but I. some of the plays he made could have been better. Some of the plays could have been more thought out. For example, in the last play of the game for Denver, 64-yard field goal, attempt, 20 seconds left to go. Misses by a foot and a half to the left, and it looked dead on. It looked so dead on, and it was nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking to watch this as it tumbled and spun through the air just for it to go left. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Denver, why did you have to do that? Give Russell Wilson the ball. He is your quarterback, after all. Jerry Judy could only do so much with him. Russell Wilson could could only do so much with him. But I will say it was a great win for Seattle. It was a great gritty win. Their defense stepped up when they needed to. Two end zone plays or two end zone stands for where's the first, second, third, fourth and goal. It was great. It was phenomenal. Seattle's defense stepped up to the plate even though they lost Jamal Adams. But again, those are some of my thoughts on some of these games from this past weekend. I had a lot. I did have a lot of thoughts. And I will have much more to come in the upcoming weeks. Before I go and say goodnight or goodbye to everyone until next time, uh, there's one quick thing I do want to bring up, and that is with baseball. So um, I don't know if you've probably been hearing throughout this episode, you can hear my roommate kind of gaming online in my the room next door. So don't mind that. But uh, this has to do with the playoffs and the playoff race in general. And I just wanted to say, you know, there's a whole lot of scenarios going on. And I'll be breaking it down a little bit more in the coming weeks. But I can see the Dodgers, they're, they're already looking towards October. They basically clinched their spot. And then they also have... They, you have the Houston Astros, the Mets, the Braves, and then you have the Mariners, Rays, Phillies, and Padres, kind of battling it out for wild card spots. Seattle, I think they're a good playoff team. They're going to make it in. In my in my mind, Tigers, no, they're not. They are not. So this is this is where it would stand if the season ended now. So it would be number the 6-seed Rays at the 3-seed Guardians and the 5-seed Blue Jays at the 4-seed Mariners. And then in the ALDS, it would be the Rays-Guardians versus the Yankees, Blues uh, Blue Jays-Mariners versus the Astros. Then in the National League, it would be Padres at Cardinals, Phillies at Braves. And then one of those teams in the Divisional Series would be against the Mets and then against the Dodgers. So... Of course, who's in? Astros-Dodgers. No surprise there. Key upcoming series, though, you have the Rays and Blue Jays, Giants at Braves, Cubs at Mets, Brewers at Cardinals, and in the beginning of October of next month, uh, you have first game on Friday, second game on Saturday, third game on Sunday. And the division series is going to be best of five, and then division series... Is going to be best of five as well. And then World Series best of seven. So. There's a lot at stake here. For some of these upcoming teams. Uh, Sierra, Seattle Mariners. They were probably one of the hottest teams right now. other Outside of Los Angeles. And I do firmly believe. That they could clinch a three seed. Will they? We, uh, they still have less than a month to go. I think they should. I think they will. But. Just wanted to break it down a little bit about how it's structured and potential playoff spots as we get closer and closer to the MLB playoffs. That does it for me on this Tuesday edition of the Gesto podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to come back Friday as I bring my takes and picks for week three of college football plus week two of the NFL. And maybe, maybe just a little bit more of the MLB playoff. I'm not exactly quite sure yet, but if I do, it's going to be on a whim. But that is kind of what I'm planning for. Uh, A little bit farther ahead, maybe into next week or the week after, there is one uh, episode series that I'm actually wanting to do. And there is one I have kind of tucked away and I'll talk about that one late at a later time but one I was given uh it was given by a family friend where I was up at their summer cottage in the UP and pulled me aside and said you know it'd be a really good sports topic it would be the greatest sports films of all time and I told him you know that's a great idea I can think of Sandlot I can think of Rudy even though Rudy's kind of up there and a little more generic uh you can do Facing the Giants or remember the remember the Titans uh there there's a lot of good sports movies 42 is a good one with Chadwick Boseman playing Jackie Robinson uh there's a lot and so that's probably that is going to be an episode that I am wanting to do in the coming weeks but of course my main focus is going to be football but that is going to be on the side burner for me not the back burner but the side burner so have a great rest of your week everyone stay tuned for friday we will see you then